wonder if we could clap our hands again to the Lord. What an exciting place to be on Tuesday night. I guarantee you this is the best thing going on in town. Are you convinced of that? Amen. It's a tremendous honor to be back here tonight. I was standing over here thinking, I don't believe I've ever preached here on a midweek. Maybe, maybe I have. If I have, I don't remember. Um, but I'm not surprised that there's a crowd like this and I'm also not surprised that there's a good spirit of the Lord here like there is tonight. I wouldn't expect any less from Cornerstone. I'm as glad to be a part of this great church. Hallelujah. And this afternoon, um, the Lord finished something for me much um, of the way that he speaks to me is through compare and contrast. Oftentimes it's characters, um, but today was a character and a couple of situations, and I pray and have prayed today that the Lord would help me to articulate um, what he's given me because I feel like this is very, very, very important. And I feel like that um, this really could make the difference. I really, I really believe this is what makes the difference. What I'll preach tonight um, is what makes the difference in our lives. God. How many is thankful for the word of the Lord? Amen. 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 How many has got your tool belt on tonight? Your knee pads and got your hammer. All right. And there's, I did not realize, um, I knew this church had a following and an audience. People are watching you, and I've told you this before, and God has not just raised you up for this city. He's not just raised you up for the Northwest, but I believe he has raised you up for, for the nations, for the world, uh, a model. Somebody, everybody, somebody's going to follow something. Everybody's going to follow something. And uh, Cornerstone has always been out on the tip of the spearhead, and um, it's exciting to be here um, at this special season, special place with special people. And um, I'm so grateful for it. John chapter 21. Jordan, um, I hope you heard what Pastor said about humility. Because 
because um, after you beat us all so bad in pickleball the last couple of nights, uh, I'm sure you're wearing a different hat size. I just wish that Kyle and Devin had been here to witness it. But I will be telling them. I will be telling them. Pretty impressive. John chapter 21. And verse number one. And after, after these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And on this wise showed he himself. There were together Simon Peter and Thomas called Didymus and Nathaniel, Cana and Galilee and the sons of Deb Zebedee and two other of his disciples. Simon Peter saith unto them, I go a fishing. I go a fishing. And they say unto him, we also go with thee. And they went forth and entered into his ship immediately. And that night they caught nothing. Boy, if we could just ever understand that there's nothing to go back to. There's nothing to go back to. Then Jesus saith unto them, Children, have you any meat? And they answered him, No. And he said unto them, Cast, someone say cast, cast the net on the right side of the ship, and ye shall find. And they cast therefore, and now they were not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes. Verse number seven. Notice. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved saith unto Peter, It is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he girt his fisher's coat unto him, for he was naked, and did cast himself into the sea. And the other disciples came in a little ship for they were not far from land but as it were 200 cubits dragging the net with fishes and as soon then as they were come to land they saw fire of coals there and fish laid thereon and bread Jesus saith unto them bring the fish which ye have now caught and Simon Peter went up and drew the net to the to land full of great fishes 153 and for all there were so many yet was not the net broken and Jesus said to them come and dine and then I won't read it but it's that famous conversation um, that dialogue between Simon Peter and Jesus that we know so well lovest thou me lovest thou me I want to go back and um, lift something from verse number 7. John identifies it's Jesus, Simon Peter. As soon as he hears it's the Lord, he gird his fisher's coat unto him, for he was naked and did cast himself into the sea. I want to preach tonight for a little while from this thought, an all-in attitude an all-in attitude. An all-in attitude. If you would, would you just put your Bibles down and um, one more time, would you just lift your voice and ask the Lord to help us here for the next few moments.
pray that the Lord would help us. Somebody pray there'd be an anointing here that would break every yoke. you believe the Lord's going to help us tonight would one more time would you clap your hands and give him praise come on somebody mix your voice with it that feels good do it a minute more hallelujah Jesus Jesus. You can be seated. The old saying is, if it's not broke, don't fix it. The flip side of that coin is, if it is broke, fix it. And if something it's not working. Um, the last time I checked, it was actually a clinical definition. The clinical definition for insanity is to do the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. If it's broke, fix it. If it's not working, quit continuing doing what you've done in the past, expecting a different result. Part of the reason that I see things, the nature in which I am going, and I'm going to slow down tonight because this really needs to, so this is a night for somebody, okay? This wasn't on the schedule. This just, this just happened. God, it, God does stuff like this, okay? So I just really want to get this in your heart. I, I don't believe that God gives people the, the Holy Ghost for them to just fizzle out. I don't, I don't believe that. Uh, I don't believe that God, and again, no one is perfect. We, are, we will never be perfect. We are striving to be like the one who made us and who has filled us. But... Also, at the same time, I do not believe it's the will of God that a person continues to flail and fail and continue just to fall in the same hole over and over. If you're going to fall in a hole, I think, I think you ought to be at least falling in a hole somewhere further down the road, not in the same hole. And it is, I see these things the nature I'm going to share with tonight because it is a big part of my, my heart. I can't, I can't stand to see people frustrated because if at some point the dance, if you would just allow me to use that illustration, if some point the dance does not get some fluidity to it and does not become graceful, uh, what will happen is a person who is trying, you see, one's got to lead and the other's got to follow. It's not going to work. You have to make that decision. Both people can't lead. 
And if, if at some point something does not shift and a person continues to try to dance with two left feet, it's going to, it's going to engender frustration and then frustration will lead to failure and then failure from the frustration will eventually lead to finality. And I've watched this over and over. They'll just throw their hands in the air. You mark my words, what I'm telling you. And, I, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preach what I believe is a very powerful principle tonight. But I also want to prophetically speak to some people. You, you hear what I'm telling you. Not everybody that has left us has left us because they were just hell-bent on being rebellious. You've got friends and families and, and loved ones and acquaintances and people that you have actually been directly involved with that have come through these doors. God have mercy. You know, a building twice this size wouldn't hold all the people that have had a Pentecostal experience in the 30 years that you've been here. I know you can't keep everybody, but what I'm trying to say is we ought to be keeping a whole lot more than what we're keeping. And, and I want to share tonight because my heart, which I believe is the heart of God, God wants you to make it. I don't believe it's the will of God for you to continue to flail and fail and continue to try to move through this dance with two left feet. I believe eventually, and I'm not saying there won't be hiccups. There will be hiccups. You will fail. But I think at some point you ought to catch your spiritual stride. Come on. And it's not every. There's days that you struggle, but not every day's a struggle. Now, I'm going to back up and say that again. Come on, because I need somebody to help me right there. I think you ought to hit your spiritual stride where there are days that you struggle, but you're not struggling every day. And, and I want to preach to the source of that frustration because I, I sensed it yesterday and I, and I have a very sensitive, my radar to it is very sensitive because I want to help people like that. I want, honey, listen to me. Don't be frustrated. Don't throw in the towel. Don't quit. Let's just back up and reevaluate the situation. Come on. And if God can speak to me from his word, let's do something a little bit differently. Let's fix that. I want to fix what I can fix fix come on so I can catch that spiritual stride and move on in God now Simon Peter in my estimation is the perfect character study subjectively speaking he is the perfect character study to this issue. Obviously, and just for faith purposes, I want to just mention the back end of this. Obviously, Brother Gazande, he gets his act together. Obviously, he hits his stride. Obviously. Obviously, he finally gets all of his ducks in a row. Obviously. Now, it didn't happen overnight. It didn't happen overnight. But God believed in Simon Peter more than Simon Peter believed in himself. And Simon Peter got it together. 
He got it together so much that when it came time for God to pick a preacher, come on, you're the first one out of your mouth that's going to utter the beautiful gospel of the death, burial, and resurrection. Come on. When it came time for God to point to a preacher, it was Simon Peter. Come on. It's two books uh, of the holy scope, the holy canon of scripture that bear his name. Historians say there were other books that he was probably involved in as far as them being written. Simon Peter got his act together. Can I just stop and tell somebody right now, I believe in you. This pastor believes in you. I believe you can get it together. I believe. Is there anybody that can help me preach right now that says I'm thankful for a church that stood by me. I'm thankful for a pastor that stood by me. I'm thankful for a God that stood by me. I'm going to just proclaim what I feel right now. You're not just going to get it together. You're going to get it together, and you're going to help other people get it together. You're not just going to make it. You're going to thrive. You're not just going to come out of this. You're going to come out of this more anointed and more powerful and greater than you've ever been before. Anybody believe and receive that right now? If you do, you ought to clap your hands and give God a shout of praise. Come on, I got a lot to say in a short time to get there. I got a plane to catch, but I got to preach some faith right now. Come on, devil, you've counted the wrong people out. I believe somebody's going to catch something right here at the beginning of 2024 that's going to make the difference. Don't you count them out. They're here on Tuesday night. Don't you count them out. Simon Peter is the quintessential character. He's the quintessential example of somebody that just hung in there. He just hung in there until he got it right. I've thought today of how to broach this, how to most effectively approach this subject tonight. And initially, I don't know how it works with Brother Mayo, but I kind of, I'm not a big note preacher, but I promise you there's structure, there's, there's frames in my brain. And I've kind of, I'm sorry to bore you, but just indulge me. I'm headed somewhere. I, I kind of, it's, it's like a train. And I, I've, I, I don't necessarily always know what's in each particular car. I have an idea. I really spend a whole lot of time on the caboose. Because I want it to, I want it to, I want to ice the cake. I want to make sure the cake's iced. And I, and I look at this train. I'm looking at it. And, it's, and I kick. it'll go around and come back around. And sometimes I take a card off or I put one on. And, and so I'm, I'm looking at this today. And initially, I started to take the approach of moving through some of the 
the frames in Simon Peter's life, Nader's zenith, failures, fortune, I, I, and, and I, my mind, and, my, and I'm watching these trail car or these rail cars go by in my mind, and I'm, and I'm, and I'm thinking about moments. Brother, Brother Booker calls them seminal moments. If Simon Peter has a seminal moment in his life, I believe, in my opinion, that what happens in John chapter 21 is the single seminal moment in his life. Okay? And I'm, in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, well, the, the way I'll present this is I'll just I'll talk about moments because all of us, when the line is drawn... And the sum is given. All of us are the sum. I, I believe it was here I said this maybe Sunday, maybe somewhere last week. But when they draw the line and the sum is given, all of us, we're the sum of, of many moments, services, ministries. We are. And, and I'm watching and, I, and I'm thinking about his calling. And one of, one of the gospels says, Sister Mayo, that he, he left his nets. He, there's strong insinuation that he not only leaves his nets, but he leaves his boat. He, he leaves his business. Um, he had a mother-in-law. God bless him. Go ahead and laugh. It's all right. So apparently he, he left family. Um, he left security. And I'm, I'm looking at that rail car, and, and, and I'm going back through the, the poignancy and the power of that moment. And I, this had never dawned on me, but that's right there on the shores of Galilee. That was a, that was a poignant, powerful moment in Simon Peter's life. He leaves nets, and he leaves, remember what I'm saying. There's a reason I'm repeating this. He leaves nets, and he... He leaves boats and he leaves businesses. He, he gives Jesus his nets. And he gives Jesus his boat. And I move from there. And there, there's other places. I, my mind, I went to when he watched Jesus walk to the bow of the boat and he calms the storm. And I live there a moment. And, and I'm not going to go through all these because I'm, I'm telling you this for a reason. And I'm, and I'm thinking, well, that's how I'm going to approach this. And, and, then, and then I'm going to get to John chapter 21, and this is the single seminal moment. Of and then I came to something, and I had never made this correlation, Pastor. And when it hit me, I realized, Brother Sergeant, John chapter number 21, where Simon Peter cast himself out of the boat, was not the first time that Simon Peter had got out of a boat. And so I took today, this afternoon, I took that story. And I took the story in John chapter number one and Jux 21 and put them side by side. I told you I was going to slow down in juxtaposition. And I started comparing and contrasting. And I started realizing 
that, Brother Mayo, it's not just about action, but it's attitude. It's not just about a movement, but about a mindset. Now, I want to be safe here, but I also want to get out there where the Holy Ghost wants me to get. I, I feel like the first thing, the first time that Simon Peter gets out of a boat, there, there's, there's a reason, there's an initiation, and it's called they're scared for their lives. There's a storm. I'm not saying that trouble is not, this is oftentimes, I've seen this be an initial employee or an employer to, to bring somebody closer to God. But there was, there was something there that initiated it. And Simon Peter from the boat, follow me, from the boat. I'm talking about the first time that he gets out. Simon Peter says, if it, if it is you, God have mercy. If it is you. And I'm, and I'm already, I'm already seeing some big differences between getting out the boat here and getting out of the boat here. Just a little bit before he becomes Pentecost first preacher. Come on. The first time he gets out of the boat, there's a storm. Come on. There's an incentive. There's something that has him stirred up. The second time Simon Peter gets out of the boat, come on, there's no initiation. There's no storm. There's no... Then the Bible, then if it be you, he's asking questions. There's doubt. There's still vacillation. I can prove to you that it's not just this incident, but as the scenes begin to unfold from the first time that Simon Peter gets out of a boat, that action of how he gets out of the boat and the question he asks, come on, is a symptom and a sign into some of Simon Peter's struggle. He waffles. Come on. He's still on the fence. Come on. He has trouble with some vacillation. Come on, stay with me right now. If it be, if it be, there's a question there. If it is you, Lord. So there's, ready for this word? There's doubt. There's doubt. If it is you, Lord, there's doubt. This thing's going to go up and smoke here in a minute. Some of you smart enough, you hear great preaching all the time. You're already 10 steps ahead of me, but let me work my way through this. And then he says, in the presence of doubt, if it be, if it is you, Lord, bid me. Bid me. Someone say that with me. Bid me. Watch this. If it is you, Lord, bid me. The word bid there is the Greek word that means to order or command. Come here, Brother Chris. Or to urge on. Okay, so there's doubt. There's storms. Are you with me right now? There's doubt. If it be you, Lord, there's this maybe I don't know. There's this, 
And now he's saying, if it be you, Lord, bid me. And, and, and the real meaning of the Greek word there is to urge on. God, urge me on. Urge me on. Are you, I've, I've been willing to urge people on. I'm willing to do that. I'm willing, and God's willing to urge people on. But you hear me, I don't want to get the cart in front of the horse right here, but I'm going to say something that needs to be said at this point. There's a big difference between constantly having to be urged on, come on, and just jumping in with both feet. Let me tell you something. When you're convinced, you don't have to be coaxed. You didn't hear what I just said. When you're convinced, you don't have to be coaxed. Come on. When you jumped in with both feet, nobody's got to beg you to worship. Nobody's got to beg you to be faithful. Nobody's got to beg. Come on. Come on. So there's storms. There's doubts. He's still being. There is more than just a there's more than just a wind rocking the boat. Come on. Simon Peter's still being rocked by certain uncertainty and doubt. If it be you, Lord, urge me. Come on. Let me tell you when this thing starts to really work. It's when you don't have to be urged on anymore. Nobody's got to send you a card. Nobody's got to call you four times. Nobody. Because here's what being urged looks like. Oh, and this is the hard part, Brother Mayo, because I want to help somebody. But this can be so, it's, oh, I, it's sensitive. Urge me, beg me, bid me. And when he said, well, all right, come on. You can do this. I feel like I do a lot of preaching. You got this. You can make it. You can overcome. I do a lot of urging, coaxing, begging, pleading. But look what the result of that is. Jesus said, all right, you need to urge. I'll urge you. Come on. And the Bible says, and when Peter came down, it means to descend carefully. Let's look. Are you, are you remember what I read to you in John chapter 21? John chapter 21, come on, is where everything began to turn in Simon's Peter and Simon Peter's life. He didn't carefully descend down anything. He cast himself into the water. But if you're constantly having to be urged or coaxed or bid, come on, that's the deal. Come on, there's no turning point. Come on, when you're still just dipping your toes in the water, come on, I'm just going to ease into this thing and give me time and give me space and just let me put my toes in it and let me, let me come at my speed and let me. 
Can I tell you, you think that you're helping yourself, but you are prolonging the process and you are frustrating your own faith. Come on, I want you to see the juxtaposition. Come on, when things start changing in Simon Peter's life, it's when he quit tipping. Come on, dipping his toes in the water and he said, I'm all in. I'm all the way in with both feet, full bore, lock, stock, and barrel. Because the problem without having, the problem with going in, the problem with going in like this. is you're still not completely convinced. And I'll be the first to tell you the sea's scary. It's dark. You can't see the bottom. You don't know how deep it is. The sea's unpredictable. The wind could whip up at any moment on the Sea of Galilee. There's currents there. In fact, they said things that I read said there were dangers all the way to the shoreline of the Sea of Galilee. There were things in there that were poisonous. There was disease there. Come on, it's normal. Come on, let me just, let me just, can I just tell somebody, if this is your approach to living for God, I want to get out of the boat. Come on. But I really, I really feel like I'm preaching to somebody that's tired. I don't want to be, I don't want to have to be urged on. Come on. I don't want to have, I don't want anybody to give me pity. I don't want anybody to have to beg me. I'm trying to tell you how to fix it. Come on. Quit being scared. Quit having doubt. Quit living in uncertainty and just jump in. I want to know, is there anybody that can testify that everything began to change in your life the day you just jumped in? And unfortunately, there's so many people, Brother Mayo, that get lost from Simon Peter's first time in the boat until Simon Peter's second time in the boat. When you look at how this living for God business, how it was delineated, it was quite simple. There was no flex. There was no conditions. There was no exceptions or exemptions. He said, with all. Someone once said, it's all in the attitude. Yeah? No. Yeah? But let me take it one step further. It's an all-in attitude. And if you just, and, and that's the problem. It's, it's, it's people that think, well, I, let me, I, I, can, I can survive. I, I'm just spiritually speaking, let me tell you something. The, the sharks swarm. They swarm in much greater numbers in the shallow waters. I've seen much more tragedy, come on, and bloodshed, come on, and disaster. I've seen much more spiritual macabre, come on, in shallow waters, shallow dedication, shallow consecration, shallow faithfulness, shallow prayer life, shallow... 
He steps down. I'm going to do this at my pace. I'm going to, I need somebody to help me. Don't you get offended at me. I'm trying to help you right now because I want you to make it. And I'm trying to tell you how you're going to make it. The only way you're going to make it and the only way you're going to overcome yourself and your fears and your doubt, you're going to have to quit trying to analytically figure out the sea and everything is a sea and realize, come on, that's the only thing standing between you and Jesus. And the quickest way to close that gap is to jump. The quickest way to close the distance from where you are to where Jesus is, is all in. Well, let's see if this works. So he carefully starts getting down. And he gets in the water of the church. I don't know how many steps he took, but he didn't go far. And the Bible says that he began to sink. Because easing in to this living for God business, it ain't made to work like that. I'm not getting very many amens right now. In fact, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of... I'm kind of jousting with somebody mentally right now. Well, I'm giving him more than I've ever given him. Let me tell you something. If you give God 50% and you leave 50% unsubmitted. No, let me make the number bigger. If you give God 75% and you leave 25% unsubmitted, the 25% that's unsubmitted will eat away very quickly at the 75% that is committed. The devil don't give a rip about the 75%. Come on, he's, he's happy as long, he doesn't care what the percentage is. As long as there's a percentage that's unsubmitted, he's happy and knows he's got a chance. Just telling you the truth. Well, Brother Marks, I, I'm up, I'm up 10%. I'm not. Let me tell you, hell's still having a party. If there's 10% of you hanging out there, if you're still just trying to ease down into this thing, Brother Marks, it's not my nature. It's not my attitude. Come on, it needs to be your attitude. I'm trying to tell you, time is ticking, and the best way to put the past behind you is just to cast yourself in. Let me tell somebody something right now. Come on. Let me tell you where a lot of people make a mistake. Come on. They cast themselves all right. They get in depression. They get in discouragement. They become disappointed. Come on. They ought to cast themselves in the work of God. They ought to cast themselves into the kingdom of God. They ought to cast themselves into a local church. But they cast themselves into the hands of the world. Come on. If you're discouraged, you ought to try throwing yourself into the work of God and see what it does for you. There's not a better way to keep yourself safe and to fix your frustration than just to go all in. You got to go all in. Withholding nothing. You got to go. You got to go all in. You got to get past having to be urged. I don't need a storm for me. I don't need the winds to blow. 
I don't need God to bid me over and over. You, you, you don't think... You don't think that this is exemplary of Simon Peter's real issues, this whole deal with the boat? Oh, I got news for you, it is. Because the Bible says that he would deny that he denied, and then he went on to deny in a short period of time, three times, and then he went back. Where did he go back to? He went back to the boats. I'm telling you, it is possible to give Jesus your boats and your nets and not give him you. There's a distance there. There's a gap. And let me tell you what they call it, 200, whatever their measurement was. I think in our measurements it was 135 yards from where they were to where he was. But you hear me in Simon Peter's spirit. There was a gap that was a lot greater. He was dealing with failure. He was dealing with frustration. He was dealing with condemnation. I believe Simon Peter probably wondered if he'd never get a if he'd ever get another chance again. I think he had daydreamed of what he might do if he was ever given a second chance. And sometimes a second chance, I'm just speaking, I'm using that real loosely. Sometimes a second chance is a seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth chance. I've seen it be a fifteenth chance. But it's it's about your attitude. It's not just the action. I, I, hey, I'm not knocking, and, and, and you know, you're going to know what I mean by this, but I'm not knocking on anybody that comes to the altar. But I'm telling you, I, I can tell by the attitude in which they approach the altar, and I can tell with the attitude of how they walk away from the altar, and I can really tell by the attitude of how they approach the next service. And I'm more than willing, God help me right now, to go play with somebody in their pew. But ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you, when you get serious about this, it's not going to be somebody having to come back to you in your pew and urge you on. Simon Peter, I got beside myself. I got excited. I got up and paced around the office. Simon Peter, Sister Mayo, was so beside himself as an op when he's given an opportunity to get out of the boat again. The Sea of Galilee is not that big, and he probably could have seen from where they were to where he had gotten out of it last time. A lot of failure, a lot of flux, a lot of frustration. Are you hearing me right now? Come on. He had let Jesus down. He had let himself down. I don't know if he looked at where he got out of the boat the last time. Come on. I just know he was so beside himself when he realized, I get another shot of how I'm going to approach. Come on. I get another shot of my attitude. You know how I know he was beside himself? Because most people take their clothes off when they're going fishing. Simon Peter was so excited, he was putting clothes on to go fishing. You know what that tells me? When you are really possessed by that moment, you don't have time to sit there and think it all out. And I need to do this and this needs to happen and this that. No, no, it's all in. It's all in. He cast himself. Amen. I want to tell somebody something right now. You still feel like there's a gap 
hear me. If you're taking notes, write this down. You still feel like there's a gap between where you're at and where he's at. The fastest way to bridge that gap is to go all in. I'm preaching to people that know what it is to jump off. This message is designed also for people that life's caused you to take a step back. You jump before, and for whatever reason, you feel like the enemy's got you convinced that you fell seven stories and splattered on the concrete. Now, He's in the boat again. He's presented with another opportunity. And this is the turning point. It's these single seminal moments in Simon Peter's life. Everything changes from this point forward. And the catalyst, the catalyst is not the fish that Jesus prepared. The catalyst is not even the conversation that they had. The catalyst is he cast himself. He jumped. It's an attitude. It's an all-in attitude. The word there where he cast himself, I'm, I'm coming, I'm hurrying to close, where he cast himself in the water. Balo, B-A-L-L-O, Balo. It means to throw or let go of something without caring where it falls. It means to give over to one's care uncertain. This is Thayer's. To give over to one's care uncertain about the result. I don't know what's about to happen. But I know I'm through doing this. Because that's not working. And if it's broke, fix it. And I'm not, hey, I'm not certain of what's about it, but I know what I'm fixing to do. And he cast himself. Coincidentally, no. Ironically, no. Strategically, scripturally, substantial, provocative, pertinent, absolutely. So I wanted to see where else. Brother Dale, I want to see where else this word showed up. Balo. It's translated somewhere else. Another story. Jordan, come. Just Jordan. Just play a little bit. It shows up one more place in Scripture. I should have known. I should have known before I got there. The Bible says that a lady burst into a room. You know the story. And where it's, he casteth himself. The Bible, follow me. You're not going to find very many places where Jesus says, you see what that woman just did? You tell that from today forward. As a memorial unto her. Balo, he cast himself in the water. 
the word shows up again. Balo shows up again in that story where the Bible says she comes. And in Matthew's rendition, it says she poureth. It's the same word. Very likely, there's so many things that that box symbolizes. Very likely, all that she had. But what was the definition? I'm jumping. I'm pouring. I'm breaking. I'm all in. I'm not certain of what that means tomorrow. But I'm certain of what it means today. And it's I'm total abandoned. It's a total abandonment of me. That box symbolized more than just a container with a perfume in it. I thought it interesting. Your pastor, can, I love his randomness. And sometimes he says something to me, and I know, I just file it away because it may be two or three days, two or three weeks later, I go, that's what that was. And he's telling me, he leans over and tells me when I get up on the platform what he told you about his demonstrative worship and so many people not understanding it. And I thought, now isn't that interesting? Because the Bible says that there were those that were there. There's always going to be those that despise an all-in attitude. There's always going to be critics of the breakers and the pourers and the jumpers. I don't believe she left one drop. She emptied every bit of the contents with people saying, that's wasteful. You know, you say, Brother Marks, I'm going to make a statement right here, and I've, I've been, I got a lot of years to back up what I'm telling you from observance. I don't feel like I have much to offer God. I've seen people that to the carnal eye looked like they had all kinds of things to offer God, but they never made it because they didn't have an all-in attitude. And then I've seen people like you that felt like you didn't have they didn't have anything to offer God. But they jumped in with both feet. And God says, now that I can use. I can do something with that. You say, I don't have anything to give God. Yeah, you do. You have an all-in attitude. See, you go back and you read it later and see if I'm telling you the truth and if all the T's don't cross and the I's dot. You read that when Jesus picked Simon Peter back up out of the sinking water and got in the boat with him. He rebuked, not them, he rebuked Simon Peter for his unbelief. 
I believe 2024, I don't believe that any of this is by accident. I believe God orders and orchestrates all this. Something happens when a person just You don't think the all-in, you don't think casting himself in was connected to his attitude and his actions? Absolutely. Because Jesus goes, he segues right out of that end to the conversation. Lovest thou me? Lovest thou me? Don't get confused in that feed the lambs and feed the sheep. You know what he was telling Simon Peter? I hear you. You say you love me, but if you love me, get busy. Go to work. That's just a good redneck rendition of it right there. Go to work. That's what he's trying to tell. Don't overthink all of this. Come on, go to work. You love me, quit beating yourself up. You love me, quit living in self-condemnation. You love me, let's go. Let's roll. Come on, let's put the past behind us. Let's realize the future. I'm preaching to somebody right now. Well, it's not my personality. Come on, I can tell you there's other things. Come on, you jumped in. Come on, I'm just telling you, maybe you need somebody to tell you you can't do it because people told you you couldn't do it only when it came to other things and you proved them wrong. I wish you could hear the devil tonight. You'll never live for God. You'll never mount anything. You'll never be anybody. You'll never make your way back. I wish somebody would prove him a liar. I'm jumping in with both feet. I'm gonna be the dad I've always wanted to be. I'm be the mom I've always wanted to be. I'm going to be the saint I've always wanted to be. I'm going to be the wife. I'm... An African Impala. I promise you. I'm fixing to see who jumps on Google. I'm watching right now. Well, you better have your facts straight now. You better not be plagiarizing either. Bro, I was sitting next to somebody. Lord, I shouldn't be telling that. I got, everybody's got that car, one carnal friend in your life. And this guy's up there pontificating and waxing eloquently. My buddy tapped me on the leg and slid the phone over. And I mean, this guy had pulled what he was preaching right off the internet, like word for word. <laughs> you bet somebody, some of sends you sins to find you out. <laughs> I, bro, I'm tell you, I'm paranoid about it. There's been times I had good titles and I, they were laughing at me. When was that? Friday night. And Brian Brewster was laughing at me. He was standing behind me. I said, you quit, you quit looking at my phone. Well, I was fixing to go up to preach, and I had a really good title, but I was Googling and making sure nobody had used that title before. That's how self-conscious I am about it. Why in the world? How did I get off on that? No, Google it. It's the fifth gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and then Google. You'll get, and they're going to use it. African Impalas can jump 13 feet. I promise. From flat-footed, they can jump 13 feet. An African Impala. In the San Diego Zoo, they've got them in four feet enclosures. Go ahead. 
I'm going to bust you. Get your phone out and Google right now. You better not do it. I'm watching you right now. They'll keep them in four feet of closures. Y'all ain't ready to shout. You ain't ready to shout. I, you ain't ready. I'm in a dead Baptist church tonight. Y'all ain't going to shout. Y'all just ain't, y'all don't shout on Tuesday nights. It ain't going to happen. Y'all used to Cody Marks making you cry and snot and crawl into the altar. You just, you're not going to shout for me tonight. I just, I just, but I'm going to tell you anyways. They four feet in a four feet enclosure in the San Diego Zoo. You know why? Because an African Impala won't jump if he can't see where he's going to land. And they figured out just how, how to get, the, how high to get the fence where he can't see. And I thought, my Lord, have mercy. I know some Africans that ain't Impalas, and I know some Caucasians, and I know some Mexicans, and I know some, huh? That, hey, I'm looking at some of you right now. Some of you right now, I, I love you, but I'm scared of you, and I ain't even really looked you in the eyes yet because I don't know how you're going to react to all this. But you got the potential of an African Impala. You got things in you. It drives me nuts how gifted and talented you are. Come on. You got the potential to jump 13 feet, but you're not going to do it. The devil keeps you in a four-foot enclosure. Because I ain't going to jump where I can't see. I've come to preach to you in the Holy Ghost. I'm going to get on a plane at midnight and go home. Come on. I'm not preaching again no Sunday. But I'm going to give it all I got right now. Jump, baby, jump. Jump, mama, jump. Jump, daddy, jump. Come on. Don't let the devil tell you that a white boy can't jump. Don't let the devil tell you a black boy can't jump. Jump. You got all kinds of potential. You can't tell I love what I do. I can't believe God lets me do this. But my greatest desire is I can't stand to see people contained in four-foot enclosures. When I know they got the capability to jump 13 feet. How's it going to happen? You just jump. Don't try this. It doesn't work. He's going to rebuke you for your unbelief. You're going to sink. You're not going to make it. Don't make this something he's got to urge you on all the time. Come on, somebody that's jumping in with both feet, you don't have to urge them all the time. Again, I'm going to say it one more time. In your mind and spirit, you feel like that there's a breach. I'm sure Simon Peter felt like he was to blame for the breach and for the gap. And in his mind, it was much more than 133 or 137 yards. There was a great expanse there. He had failed him. He had failed him. And as sure as he failed him, I believe Simon Peter loved him just like I believe you loved him. Brother Mayo, the quickest way to bridge that gap 
is to cast yourself in. Brother Marks, I'm not distinguished. And leave the John. John will get there when John gets there. Not everybody does things the way John does it. My wife didn't know what I was going to preach tonight. She reminded me of something I hadn't thought of in a long time. And I'm closing with this. And I think I, I know that there was a reason for this. There was a man that, a woman we preached for back in the early 2000s in a place called Tickfall, Louisiana. A lot of history there. Um... Just good old country folks. And uh, he had the patience of Job. Uh, if they didn't have the Holy Ghost, I wonder if the rest of his family wasn't on crack because they just, you ain't never seen so much energy in all your life. I remember nights at the house after church, my wife and I just look at each other and just, I mean, they just holler, and it's because they got to holler to get louder than the other one. They're Cajun. And I'm purebred Cajun. Like, they, they got papers on them. No, I'm kidding. It's a joke. They would laugh. It's a joke. And, and their name's Spikes. And his name was Adrian Spikes. And he was a great pastor. He just paid. And he just sat over there. You remember, he just. And I mean, they, they'd just be bouncing off the wall. He was prophetic in such a unique way. And uh, had, had a deal show up. It was on his back. And uh, I don't remember all the details, but it turned serious real quick, and we lost. He died at a very young age. I say young age. He was young. But I wanted to see him one more time before he passed on purpose. I wanted to see him, and I knew he was sick. And uh, it was a little, if I remember, I was a little out of my way. And uh, he had a garden there in his backyard. And... uh, I pulled up, went down the old dirt road, pulled up in his driveway, and uh, pulled up under the carport, knocked on the door. Nobody answered. I was looking for him. And I walked out in the yard, and I seen him. Here he come out of the, the garden. And I'll never forget it. My wife brought this up. It was either late last night or today. And, and uh, there he was in a pair of overalls, and he comes lumbering over there to me. And... So he hugged me and said, hey, boy. He said, I was just talking to the Lord about you today. He said, the Lord gave me a vision. Standing there next to the tomato plants. This is what Adrian Spikes told me. He said, I seen you on this mountain. He said, it was, it was high and it was quite a, quite a precipice. He said, that was the first part. I don't remember. Forgive me. It was a dream or vision. I can't remember which. He said, but I remember seeing you, and you had reached this place. And he said, but I was confused. He said, because you were frustrated. You were angry. You were upset. And uh, he said, I, I remember thinking, like, you ought to be happy. That's an accomplishment. You... He said, I, I could see where you came from. And that's a long ways back down the side of that mountain. You come a long ways, you ought to be happy. He said, but you were just like 
ring in your hand, pulling at your hair. And he's like, he said, I, I noticed you kept looking out in the distance. And I'm like, what? He needs to be happy. He needs to be content. And he said that it opened up. And he said, I realized there was another peak in the distance. And he said, out across that great gorge, he said, I could hear the voice of your friend beckoning you. And he said, I knew then why you were frustrated. He said, because you were here, your friend was over there on the next, the next peak, and there's this great gorge, and how do I get from here to there? The dream, the vision, whatever it was, he said, I cupped my hands, and he said, I hollered, just take a step. I remember, I relived it today in the office. Just go. He kept saying that. Go. And he said, I watched you. He said, you, you could hear him calling you. You could hear me giving you the go. He said, go. I kept hearing Adrian Spike say, go, go. And he said, all of a sudden, he said, I've seen you. Forget the frustration. I'm preaching to somebody right now. And you went all in. There was no bridge. There was no road. You stepped out into thin air. And Sister Mayo, he said, as soon as your foot hit, he said, a plank formed underneath it. And he said, I watched you. You took another step and another plank formed. And he said, I watched you go all the way across that gorge. Plank. 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 And he said, when you made it to the next precipice, he said, it was the most beautiful bridge you've ever seen behind you. He said, but the bridge would have never been built if you didn't go. Folks, this church lives in the glory of go. It's one reason I love to come here. I can take it and breathe it in. I can breathe into my lungs the glory of somebody that wouldn't stay in a four-foot enclosure when they had the capability to jump 13 feet. What a tragedy for God to bring you to a place like that where that's the spirit of your leaders and the spirit of this house to jump both feet, died in the wool, lock, stock, and barrel for God to plant or put you in that kind of church and for you to keep trying to, well, I don't, I don't know. I water's cold I don't know what's down there I don't know what's going to happen I don't know if I'm going to sink or swim I don't know if I'm going to Brother Mayo your life exemplifies what I've preached tell these people nod your head if I'm right has the go ever failed you have you, has it ever failed you when you jumped?
I know what he meant, right? Now, I didn't know then, but Merle Cornwell looked at me as about a 21-year-old evangelist, and he said, you'll outgrow me. That's what he said. He said, but if I ever find out, you quit taking risk. I'll never forget, bro. He took his finger and he's pointed down at his shoes and he said, you see that shoe right there? He said, do I need to tell you what I'll do with it? I'll find you. And he commenced to tell me what he'd do with the point of that shoe right there. It's a man that understands the reward is greater than the risk. And you're never going to reap the reward if you continue to weigh out the risk. You have to jump. It's total abandonment. Where will I land? I don't care. I'm tired of living on the edge. Will he catch me? I don't care. How far am I going to fall? I don't care. I'm just jumping. If it's appropriate, would you please get a hold of somebody right now? And I'm asking you. Come on, I know it's Tuesday night. We're fixing to, we're fixing to let you go. I know the kids are back in the swing of things. You got work to go to. We're going to have an altar car in here in just a moment, but would you, you got a hold of that hand. Would you lift your voice right now and begin to pray like the barn's on fire? I don't have to be at the airport till 11. We're going to do this. We, they, we, we, we're not going to work this whole weekend and get to this and just, we're going to do this. Okay? Some of you taking a step back. You have. We ain't doing that. That's not what got this church where it's at. It didn't, Brother Mayo didn't build on the backs of people that were sticking their toes. That's not the backs. He, he didn't build it on people like that. We need you. God needs you. Brother Jordan, I'm telling you, you're so critical to the kingdom. You are not a failure by any stretch of the means. Jake. I can do this publicly with you. I don't really know your wife, but I can do this with you. I, we, we go way back. We've been to, you've been here all the years I've been coming. Jake, you're too important to this thing. 
And they got these guys coming up. Come on. You got the, this thing's moving. They don't have the luxury to cut their teeth on stuff you cut your teeth on. We have to put them through a through, through a fast, a fast forward program. Come on. You were here during the growing and the learning in the early ages. Come on. The, a, lot of, a lot of what they're doing and a lot of what they're going to do is going to be by what they're watching you do. And these new young guys that are looking for wives and, and young girls that are looking for husbands and some of them are starting to get married, you know what they're going to do? They're going to get caught up in what the culture of Cornerstone is. And God sent Cody Marks here there this week and I have fought hell and high water, but he sent me here today to contend for the culture of Cornerstone. And the culture of Cornerstone is not this. The culture of Cornerstone is not careful. It's all in. And he's a great pastor. And he's going to keep preaching. But Jake, I'm, I'm, I'm putting you on notice. And you're another one I'm putting on notice. That I believe in and I love. You know I love you, don't you? You know the culture around here. And I'm not taking away from the efficacy of his preaching. But Jake, you listen to me. These new couples coming on. They're not just going to do what he preaches. They're going to do what they see you doing. And this, I don't want to get out of my place. But I feel a prophetic mantle on me, and I'm going to be me right now. And Brother Mayo can fix it all next week. But I'm going to tell you, this hand's in your pocket, nonchalant, apathetic, lethargic. Well, yeah, it's not going to cut it. That's not cornerstone culture. It's not everything else I got going and everything else I want to do. And then I'm the I'll make time for the church. God doesn't want your stinking leftovers. God's tired of trying to do stuff with people's leftovers. God wants your best. God wants your all. God wants your everything. Now, you hearing me? The Bible says that I'm not to cast my, swine, cast my pearls before swine. Jake, you're not a pig. You're a son. Jake, you're a man of God. And this may not be her culture, but it's your culture. I'm telling you, I'll be back at the end of the month. This step that some of you have taken back, it's over. We're not living that way. I don't care what kind of headache you got. I don't care how bad you fell on your face. I'd, I'd rather be jumping and falling on my face. Do you know stagnant waters are susceptible to disease? I would rather Jake jump and fail. And the standard going...
cornerstone under his watch and his tutelage and also his understanding of the five-fold ministry. And part of that is me being weaved in another office of the five-fold ministry to this church over my dead body. Do I come here and sermonize you and watch this? Some of you in this church try to change the culture. Step back's not cornerstone culture. That's not the culture. Jake, some of you move-ins, I'm sorry if you hadn't seen the culture exemplified. You're fixing to. My first impression will always be my impression of this place. It was in that other building, and y'all had prayer that night, and we got in late. I'd never even preached here in the local church. And we come in, I guess, is that was that the bottom floor or the basement? I don't remember how it was. Brother, I, my wife and I, I know she can remember. Sister Mayo, I thought that floor was going to come through. They were stomping and screaming and talking in tongues. That ain't, that ain't this. Bid me, urge me, coax me. If it be you, if it be you, I see some others that God's transplanted in here. That's the only, that's all we know. Even some of the stuff that we come out of that may not have been perfect, that there's no perfect place, but you know that's what made us. Brother Sergeant, you and your wife didn't get here by dipping your toes in the water. They don't want to be telling this. I don't care if they don't want me telling. I'm going to tell it. It's, it's just giving everything you got. Total abandonment for the furtherance of the kingdom. Has God ever failed you? You wouldn't go back and do it over, would you? No, sir. You see how quick he said no? Even when you were joke, even when you as broke as Job's turkey. You know why? Because your story is the beautiful story, not just of a prophet being fed by a raven. You know where I think that raven was getting his meat? I think he was going and getting it off the king's table. You think about the things and the places God's fed you from. And you guys have watched it. We're not going to resent that or back up on that. I'd rather have it the way they've received it. Amen. Amen. I don't know much about your background, but I know I know yours. It's it's an all-in culture. You've been here for the long. How many years you've been here, Elder? Twenty-two. I'd say that's pretty much for the long haul. Is that the culture around here? Jump. I've watched some of you. 
when the jumping was going on, I've seen some of you their eyes. That's, that's the way this thing's been built. My God, what are we doing? I'm telling you, when we didn't know what we were doing, we were jumping. Huh? If you're going to be the bull, if you're going to be a bull, be the biggest bull in the pasture. If you're going to come, come strong or don't come at all. I want some honest folks. Jake, I love you. I'm going to hang on. You hear? I'm going to hang on to the both of you. Both of you. Now, if you're here and you've taken a step back, I hope you feel the prick. More than a prick. I hope you I hope something has opened you up tonight. You've got to jump. How many years you've been around here? 22 years. How many? 16 years. How many years? How? Eight years. Has that been the culture? 22 years. Is that the culture? 16 years. Is that the culture? That's how you got here. Eight years. Eight years ago, was that the culture? Okay, thank you. How many years you been here? Nine. Was that the culture? How many years were you here? Twelve. Was that the culture? Jump. How many years you been here? Five. Was that the culture? How many years you been here? Seven. You know what I believe, Brother Mayo? I believe we're fixing to have another one of those revivals. You hear all this five, seven, and eight? I, I believe we're about to have another one of those revivals. Somebody needs to jump right there. We're about to have another one of those revivals. Stone, jump young marriage, jump mama, jump daddy, jump preacher, jump mama, jump. If you're here, if you're here and you feel, you feel the need to join with me and contending for the culture of Cornerstone. I want you to come out of those pews right now and gather around this front. We need you more than we've ever needed you. How many, you, how many years you been here? 12. How many years you been here? 24 and a half. It ain't going to change either. You hear me? And you know who a lot of that's up to? People like you. That when you start seeing that stuff spring up, you say, oh, no. No, 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 no. We're jumpers here. We're jumpers here. We're not setters. We're not criticizers. We're not complainers. We're not, no, we're jumpers here. I want something slow. I want something fast. Don't pass out. 
We're going to jump. If you can't do nothing but this, I want you to do that. If all you can do is make it look like you're jumping. Huh? It's an all-in attitude. It's all in the attitude. You're right, it's all in the attitude. It's in, it's in the all-in attitude. Come on, I ain't a toe dipper. Come on, I ain't a kiddie pool Christian. I ain't a shallow end. Let's start this year off with jumping. Let's start this year off. Go. Go.